Morning, Glory America. It's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the program today. There is so much going on in the world and no better person to talk with about it than Brett Stevens, columnist for the New York Times. That's so hard for me to say. I've been saying for a decade now, columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Journal Pulitzer Prize winning columnist. Brett Stevens, have you found people like me fumbling in their introductions of Brett Stevens and they say they, they want to say Wall Street Journal, but it comes out New York Times? I'm fumbling in my introduction of myself. I mean, I was with the journal for so long that uh, there's just a, a kind of a mental adjustment. Uh, but it's uh, uh, it's a nice new home, and I get to talk to uh, a different audience, uh, uh, people who aren't necessarily always in sync with my um, uh, my point of view, but that's a fresh challenge. That's what I tell people about why I like working at NBC and MSNBC is that it's missionary work, and you're doing the same thing now at the New York Times. But that leads me – well, I'll come back to that in a second. I'll come back to what it means to be a conservative talking to a liberal audience. But first, France. I've been making the argument, Brett Stevens, for five days now, that it is quite possibly very happy that Le Pen lost and at the same time – applaud Brexit, Theresa May, and prefer Trump over Clinton, that it's all perfectly consistent. Le Pen is different. Am I right? Well, Le Pen, if you look at her economic program, it wasn't all that different from um, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, the ultra-far leftist kind of Bernie Sanders. Actually, he makes Bernie Sanders look like a conservative who who, uh, almost got into the uh, second round. Uh, and on, that's just on the economic side. Le Pen also represents a party that is uh, historically uh, one of the most xenophobic and anti-Semitic parties in Europe yep. and that really traces its roots to the Vichy regime. So last I checked, if you're a conservative, uh, the word Vichy doesn't appeal to you too much. And uh, uh, I think all of us should be grateful that she lost by such a margin. I- I agree. It's a repudiation of the fascist heritage of Vichy France and of the anti-Semitic nature of that party, no matter the mascara they apply. Nevertheless, I think they're overselling it as a repudiation of the Brexit vote in Britain. And I believe Theresa May is going to romp in a month. Do you agree with that? Yes, but she's helped by having an extraordinarily weak opponent. Um, and and the issue here that worries, I mean, look, she, yeah, she's going to I think she. I'm not great with predictions, but I hope she wipes the floor with Jeremy Corbyn, uh, one of uh, Hugo Chavez, a member of the Hugo Chavez fan club. Uh, but Theresa May has to govern more like Thatcher than, uh, say, like Major or David Cameron. And so far, she isn't doing that. If she doesn't make an economic success of Brexit, then I think you're going to see Scotland take a good, hard second look at um, uh, at secession. And I think Britain's going to be in trouble. So they're going to need a a new sort of burst of um, economic dynamism and not kind of uh, nanny state Toryism. Well, this is interesting. After she wins, she will reshuffle her cabinet. And I will be watching for Liam Fox and I will be looking at the chancellor job. And I will be wondering if if Boris stays at 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 the foreign office. There's a lot that will happen when she has a comfortable majority as opposed to a thin one. And that will tell the tale. Now, let me go back to what I really wanted to talk to you about, Brett. When you moved over to the New York Times, you wrote a column on on climate change, and you're not a climate skeptic. I'm not a climate skeptic. You stated the facts, like I always do. Uh, The temperature's gone up about a degree. uh, We contribute to it. We don't know how much. We don't know what we can do about it. We certainly don't want to bankrupt ourselves doing stupid things that don't actually improve climate science, et cetera. And the reaction was hysteria. And this is the climate of catastrophe that has invaded every newsroom Every story's got to be full of breathlessness. It's the most overwrought era of journalism, I think, since perhaps pre-Civil War days. 
Yeah, and it's it's also just not in tune with, um, you know, any any sober view of science would say, look, or of the environment would say, we've got a plethora of challenges. If you ask me what worries me more, climate change and the possibility of rising seas uh, 50 or 100 years hence versus the possibility that we aren't going to have uh, or we're going to have antibi- anti- antibiotic-resistant uh, um, strains of, um, uh, of SARS or uh, other viral um, uh, or other, sorry, bacterial diseases, um, then uh, I would say it's, it's the latter. I mean, we've got a whole host of environmental issues. And there's a way in which the climate issue kind of monopolizes the environmental story, sometimes to the detriment of the environment itself. I wrote a follow-on column pointing out that, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, uh, the Clinton administration was saying that the cure to climate change rested largely in biofuels, uh, various kinds of ethanol, for example. Well, it took us about 10 years to realize that ethanol is incredibly destructive for the environment. It's destructive even in terms of the production of greenhouse gases. So getting behind these cure-alls in the, in the effort to uh, address this problem immediately often leads to perverse consequences. And I wish that environmental activists, for their own sake, would understand that. Because when, when you go through one mistake after another, the other was the, trap, the, the, um, the um, cap-and-trade uh, cap scheme in Europe, People start to say, hey, you guys aren't in possession of all the answers, and maybe we need to deal with our problems in the order in which they're received, being totally mindful of the importance of you know, the, the, the potential dangers of climate, but also understanding that there is, a, there is a universe of threats and that we have to make prudent choices as to which ones we're going to confront, how and when. Uh, and this extends into, though, the assessment of every story by the still-concussed uh, Manhattan Beltway media when it comes to Trump. Everything is cast in these terms of overwrought reaction. Today, there will be announced 10 judges. They are remarkably good judges, state Supreme Court judges, uh, uh, district court judges rising, Notre Dame academics. And we will get, and we already have, the predictable response from the left of this is the end of all things. At what point do we become exhausted with exclamations of demise, Brett Stevens? Yeah, I mean, anyone who writes knows that uh, if you have one, more than one exclamation mark uh, in a year, you're overdoing it. Um, and this is a kind of a politics of, of, of endless exclamation marks. Uh, I think, look, I'm a never-Trumper, and um, I think that those of us who aren't, uh, uh, to say the least, thrilled with this presidency are doing ourselves no favors by treating uh, everything that this administration does uh, as uh, the end of human civilization. If you can't pick your spots, if you're crying wolf at every single thing, you're going to ensure that the American people are going to start tuning you out. Um, and uh, uh, if uh, for those who don't want to see Trump president in four years, uh, that's, a, that's a bad strategy. I also, I am not an ever-Trumper, you know that, and, and I'm applauding whenever he does something good, and I am criticizing whenever he does something bad, but here's one that comes Me in the too, category. by the way. I, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I want the country to succeed. I don't want, I don't want to, uh, I don't want us to, uh, I don't want to prove my point by having, uh, by being in a depression for the next three years. So, so take me to the Department of State. I am worried about Foggy Bottom. Rex Tillerson telling your new home, oh, I'll get around to appointing advising consent people in 2018. 
Rick Grinnell was supposed to go to the U.N., then he was supposed to go to NATO. He's been passed over twice. Uh, Nikki Haley's great, but Kay Bailey Hutchinson is, I just don't understand it. And now uh, th- this general lethargy. What is going on at the State Department, Brett Stevens? Yeah, it's, it's almost inexplicable, especially coming from an administration whose selling point supposedly was its uh, managerial chops. Look, I understand you don't want to overstuff the government. On the other hand, you have this is a the government is a large enterprise, and if you aren't filling critical roles, uh, a lot, a, a lot, a lot, a great many issues just go untended. Uh, so I find it, I find it kind of um, uh, inexplicable. You know, look, let's go get back to first principles. When Hamilton talks about the importance of the government and the importance of the Constitution, he talks the words the word he uses is effective government. And right now, if you aren't, if you if you don't have people in those positions, you don't have effective government. We're not talking about the bureaucracy; we're talking about the senior most positions within the department. You can't run a state department that way. And, and that means that Africa, Latin America, not just it's not just Deputy uh, Secretary of State; it's not just uh, Grinnell not getting NATO. It's just a general, I think, cluelessness on the part of maybe. A business executive, and Richard Haas brought this up to me on Friday, who is maybe the Paul O'Neill of this administration. Is that fair at this point to say about Tillerson? Uh, look, I think it's, a, it's, it's somewhat early days, but uh, it, there was always a risk when you brought in a guy whose diplomatic experience was uh, doing business deals and had uh, um, uh, that, that he, he, he would be out of his depth. Look, government and business are just not the same thing, and people should not denigrate the expertise that's required bureaucratically, diplomatically, uh, and otherwise, to be uh, an effective an effective cabinet officer. I'm not seeing that yet in Tillerson, and if he doesn't turn that around, I think he'll be the Alexander Haig of this administration or, or something else. John Bolton, standing wings. Last quick question. I, I read Democracy by Condoleezza Rice over the weekend. Have you had a chance to read this yet, Brett? I haven't. I've, I've heard about it, uh, but I haven't actually gotten my hands on it. Pretty, pretty remarkable book, and it drives home the need to read, to read, and then to read some more when it comes to foreign affairs. Everything is, is coming back around again. Brett Stevens of the New York Times. Thank you. Come back early and often. Follow him at Brett Stevens NYT. you got to get used to it. No longer at the Journal, now at the New York Times. Stay tuned, America. I'll be right back on The Hugh Hewitt Show.